Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today is Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. Coming up on Rollerbot and Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from the gathering spot in Atlanta. It is election day in Georgia. Of course, now we will see whether John Ossoff beats David Perdue, if Raphael Warnock beats Kelly Leffler, and if David Blackman joins the Georgia Public Service Commission. We will out in the streets today, uh, following Pastor Warnock around. We'll show you what that was like, uh, and also talk about all the particulars as it relates to this particular campaign. Washington, D.C., they're bracing for violent protests when Biden's win is announced from crazy MAGA supporters of Donald Trump who can't handle the fact that he lost. Protests also expected in Kenosha, Wisconsin. After today, the DA announced no charges against the officer who shot Jacob Blake seven times and paralyzed him from the waist down. Also, we remember author Eric Jerome Dickey, who passed away today at the age of 59. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down 
That is Pastor Raphael Warnock, uh, who was on the uh, street corners today visiting places all across Atlanta, encouraging folks to get out the vote. It is election day in the state of Georgia. He wants to become the next United States Senator from Georgia, doing he, what he can uh, to electrify folks uh, to get them out to vote. The polls close here in Georgia in less than an hour at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's when the polls close here in Georgia. Uh, it has been a long, arduous campaign. Of course, uh, Raphael Warnock forced a runoff against Kelly Leffler, and then uh, John Ossoff forced a runoff against David Perdue. All eyes are on Georgia as the determination of who will control the United States Senate rests on these two races. If Ossoff and Warnock are able to defeat Republicans Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, Democrats would control the United States Senate, meaning any tie votes in the United States Senate, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris would break those particular ties. Republicans are desperate to hold on to these seats because they know they can stop the Biden-Harris agenda if they're able to control the United States Senate. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, his PAC has poured millions into this state. In fact, $463 million has been spent on ads in Georgia. They're blanketed this state, television, radio, billboards, digital. You can't watch YouTube or local uh, TV station without seeing ads from all these candidates. And so money from the campaign as well as third-party groups. Speaking of those third-party groups, they have been on the ground all across Georgia over the last several months, but especially since November 3rd, focusing on this runoff. Some three, more than 3 million people voted early uh, in uh, the runoff. In fact, just to give y'all an understanding, uh, we sent out folks, uh, Henry, go ahead and go to this shot. This is a drone shot of one of the locations today uh, that uh, one of our folks, Maurice Dort, shot. And here's the deal, y'all. There were very few lines, very few lines out there because so many people actually voted early or by absentee balloting. In fact, uh, we sent Maurice to four or five different places. That was the best we can actually get. So for the most part, folks, uh, it has been a uh, carefree day when it comes to voting. Stacey uh, Abrams, in fact, tweeted early this morning that people were literally five minutes in and out of locations as a result so many people voting early. That, that, that was a huge push uh, by Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff to get folks to vote early. They wanted to bank as many votes as possible. And so that's why it was so much energy uh, to that. Also, folks who voted by, uh, by mail ballot, they were dropping off at locations. There still were issues in Georgia where a lot of people did not get uh, their absentee ballot. Tyler Perry tweeted that he asked for his on December 12th. They said it was sent on December 4th, yet by yesterday, January 4th, he still uh, had not received uh, his particular ballot. Uh, one of the things that we did today as we were going around with uh, Pastor Raphael Warnock, uh, uh, as he was stopping in places, talking to people, greeting people, uh, things along those lines, uh, it really was uh, quite uh, the busy day uh, in talking with him. Uh, he was, of course, um, uh, trying to, you know, out there trying to encourage people because at the end of the day, folks, it comes down to who can actually turn out their people. This is a base election. This is all about a base election that is on today. And so that's what's going on. Let's talk to one of the folks who has been on the ground uh, traversing this state, going to a lot of these rural parts of, the, of Georgia, uh, to not only registering people, getting them uh, to vote early, get them to, them to vote by mail, and then, of course, encourage them to vote today. It's Cliff Albright. He's the co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Cliff, how you doing? 
I'm doing great, Roland. How are you doing? Uh, man, uh, a lot of folks like you uh, can't wait until tomorrow. That way y'all can just go, whoo, let me take a long sleep. It has been uh, a long haul. This is the last race of this election cycle. Just give me your perspective of what it has been like being out here uh, on this trail. Really, I mean, really uh, longer than that, but really the last two years after the 2018 midterm elections, y'all took a quick breather, but then y'all went right into uh, planning mode uh, for the 2020 election. Yeah, you know, and I, I wish we could take a long sleep tomorrow. You know, the truth is that um, it's going to be an ongoing wait, right? And I want to say this so that everybody's very clear. We knew this back in November as well, but still, it was still nerve-wracking. It was still nerve-wracking on the, on the night of the election when those when those early returns were coming in. And, you know, we were like, oh, what's going on? And so I just want to say this to everybody off the bat, off the top. I just want to say this to everybody. It, we need to wait for all of the vote by mail to come in. It's going to take a couple of days, just like it did last time for Georgia, right? So regardless of what the count looks like at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock tonight, just know that based on the turnout that we're seeing, I am very confident in, in, in the turnout of black voters, and I'm very confident in what the eventual result is going to be. But it may take a couple of days, just like it did last time. So everybody... You know, we're just going to relax and we're going to wait for the count to come in and we're going to let it do what it do. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're right. This has been a long grind rolling. You know, we, we've invested $2 million into direct support for on-the-ground organizations spanning 50 counties in the state organization. That was just for the runoff. That's not even counting what we were able to invest in those organizations during the general election. So between that, the caravan, you know, all the events we were doing, the Collard Green Caucus, uh, which was an event that we did on New Year's Eve, which is the last day of early vote here in Georgia. I mean, at the end of the day, it won't be said. It won't be said that if um, these two Senate seats don't go to Ossoff and Warnock, it's not going to be because of whatever black voters did or did not do, right? Black voters have showed out. We, we were already 33% of the electorate for the, um, the early vote and the vote by mail. And I just saw a stat on one of these networks that said, Exit polls show that black voters are 29% of the election day turnout. If that's the case, it's a wrap, Roland. If we were if we were 33% in early vote and 29% on election day, I'm incredibly confident that we make up a percentage of the electorate that will make a victory very likely. Um, on that particular point, uh, when we talk about, again, uh, what we have seen, the thing that y'all have done, which I think has been so critically important, y'all really took a page out of Ella Baker, out of the civil rights movement, out of Dorothy Cotton, uh, the citizenship education uh, initiative with the SCLC, and that is reaching people where they are, but also educating them. So many people always kept saying, vote, 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 but folks are like, what the hell am I voting for? But Black Voters Matter really took the time to walk people through, to explain to them what needed to be done and things along those lines. And I think that was a difference maker. And, uh, you know, the innovative thing that y'all have been doing when it comes to collard greens and, and having food and things along those lines, recognizing where people are meeting them at their need uh, and then being able to say, now let's engage you uh, in the importance of registering and then voting. Yeah, you're exactly right, Roland. That's actually one of the biggest compliments you could ever give us at Black Voters Matter, me and Latasha. 
you know, pointing out that we do, we are both students of the civil rights movement. We try to use some of the similar tactics and some of the same philosophies. And it was very important to us that, you know, when we do this electoral work, we got to first recognize our folks have been going through hell this past year. We've been going through 400 years of it, right? But this, this year, COVID, racial violence, for which we just got another reminder, right, in terms of the latest news regarding Jacob Blank, we've been going through this all year. So we wanted to incorporate, as we always do, we wanted to be able to incorporate, we wanted to be able to incorporate some Black joy and some Black culture. Right. And, and, and some black love in all of the outreach that we do. And that's what we try to do with our with our programs, which is to merge. You know, we always talk about a party with a purpose. We try to we try to deal with some real needs, whether it's food insecurity or some other other needs, merge that with the electoral issues, explain and have conversations about those issues. Right. Letting people know that there's a George Floyd Act that's been sitting in Congress, letting people know that there's a Voting Rights Act that's been sitting in Congress. We need the Senate to do something about it. Letting people know that in order to get real COVID stimulus relief that we need to have the, you know, just today I was telling a group of people about, you know, we, we arguing over $600 or, or, or even the $2,000. I told them there are countries that are given $2,000 per month. And when we have that conversation, I always get the same reaction. People are like, for real? People are doing that? Like, that can happen? Yeah, that can happen. But we got to have control in the Senate. We got we to gotta dictate that discussion. And so when we engage people on these issues and we merge with some Black joy and Black love and Black culture, incredible things can happen. And that's what's taking place here in Georgia with this election. Um, we talk about the importance of Black voters. Y'all really also uh, spend, have spent an enormous time in the South. And uh, again, uh, you, you go back to what activists on the ground have been saying. If you till the soil, if you uh, do the work, folks are going to respond. Uh, Democrats have, histor have historically focused on, well, you know, we, we simply can't win. We've lost the South. Uh, LBJ said he, he basically gave the South to the Republicans for a whole generation because of uh, signing the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Uh, but the reality is, you got to put in the work. You got to go there. You got to show up. And also, show up in Georgia, in rural Georgia. That was a great story where I saw, we talk about the black belt of Alabama. The rural Georgia could be the black belt that could flip this state and truly make it a competitive state along the lines of a North Carolina and Virginia. No, you're exactly right. That was our, that was our theory of change in Alabama when we got involved there and we we um, turned out black voters during that 2017, Doug Jones, Roy Moore. You couldn't do that with just Birmingham and Mobile and Montgomery. You had to have the black belt of Alabama because collectively that black belt basically equals a major city. The same thing applies to Georgia, right? You can't flip Georgia. You can't win Georgia with just Metro Atlanta. You, you, gotta have, you can't even just have Metro Atlanta in, some, in places like Savannah and Columbus and Augusta. You've got to have those rural counties that make up everything in between those cities, right? And so when you merge that Georgia black belt, which literally spans from the Alabama state line all the way over to the South Carolina state line, when you merge those black belt counties in Georgia, you've got a major city, but we don't treat it that way. We treat it like it's a region that just doesn't matter. Like, like these thousand votes here don't matter. And these, these 5,000 votes here don't matter. But when you add up all of those counties, you're, you're, it would be like ignoring a major city. Um, as we, as we, again, polls are closing at seven o'clock. Um, and then you talked about the importance of patience. 
Uh, counties in Georgia are allowed to begin scanning those early votes, but they can't count them until 7. So the reality is, yeah, you look at the votes that are being cast, the absentee votes that are already being cast, uh, it's going to take some time. And so people are going to be freaking out who won, who won, who won. To your point, you're going to have to breathe because you, we, we, because of COVID, we also have not seen this level of turnout when it comes to voting by mail. We're not used to that sort of volume. That's, that's exactly right. And, and that's the point that we learned in November that it's going to take some time. You know, the best thing you can do is to pay attention to who's reported, to pay attention to which counties have reported, what their percentages are, right? Um, to, to, to keep listening to, you know, what's the outstanding uh, vote-by-mail tallies, right, for different counties. And when, what, what we're able to do is when we know that, you know, say that there's a gap of 1,000 votes, but Chatham County hasn't been counted or, or Clayton County hasn't been counted or, 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 or Augusta, I mean, or, or Albany and Darty County, when we know that there's a certain gap, but then we also know what counties still have their vote-by-mail outstanding, it's going to become pretty clear what the real picture is. That's going to take a little bit of time, though. But, you know, just, um, you know, just exhale, just watch, you know, listen. You know, we'll be posting some stuff on our social media, you know, giving folks some insights around what's, what's going on with the count that's still outstanding. And at the end of the day, I'm incredibly confident. I don't want to say overconfident, right, but I am incredibly confident. Put aside the foolishness that they have going on on their side, right? The fact that they're they're cannibalizing each other. Just put that aside because I'm not worried about what they're doing. Just look at our community's turnout. Early vote, vote by mail, and then today on election day, y'all, if black folks have showed out the way that I believe black folks have showed out, it's a wrap. Uh, and in fact, uh, Cliff, last question for you. Uh, I, I saw one particular uh, point. In fact, when I, earlier, I'm going to play this interview in a second where I actually uh, talked with Pastor Raphael Warnock earlier today. And he said that because they were not seeing massive lines in Georgia, Republicans are scared that their people are not turning out. I'm having a hard time here, Roland. Uh, I said, uh, I said uh, when I talked to Pastor Raphael Warnock, Republicans are scared that because they didn't see massive turnout today in these long lines, that they're concerned their people didn't vote. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you're exactly right. You know, in, in fact, um, you know, the crazy man in the White House has already been doing tweets where he's making excuses. He's, he's already started his conspiracy theories talking about the, the Dominion machines weren't working and, and his people are being undercounted. When he starts doing those types of tweets, guess what? He knows that he's lost this race. He knows that these two incumbent senators have lost this race. And as you've said, if you look at their turnout in some of the counties where they felt like they had to have huge turnout, that huge turnout has not shown up. So you're seeing two different stories. You're seeing black voters turning out in huge numbers, and you're seeing on their side uh, uh, a low turnout. Again, it's going to take some time. You know, uh, we need to wait and be patient and let the vote by mail come in. But I have literally been saying this for weeks, Roland, that I believe that turnout, black turnout particularly, could be higher in this runoff. We'll wait and see if it's higher. But at the very least, if it's even close to what it was in the general election, I'm going to say it again. It's a wrap. All right, Cliff Albright, uh, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Cliff, y'all have been doing an amazing job. Uh, we have been right there uh, with y'all uh, live streaming. We started with live streaming the event uh, in Warner Robins, was there in uh, Savannah, in Columbus, uh, supporting y'all and what y'all do. And uh, as you and Latasha know, uh, anytime y'all uh, want to come out and say anything, you can come on Roland Martin Unfiltered anytime. We appreciate all the support that y'all have given us.
Hey, I'm going to say this. You might as well have gone and got registered, Roman, because you've been all so deep into this state over the past couple of months. You might as well have become a registered voter. <laughs> Uh, well, I did. Uh, well, we did uh, re rent an Airbnb for like five weeks. Uh, we've been here uh, absolutely for more than a month, uh, a lo long time here. Uh, my wife and nieces are going like, yeah, we don't know what you look like. Uh, but we, but we, we made it clear that it was important for black-owned media to be on the ground. Uh, I knew that we could not do this race justice uh, if we simply stayed in Washington, D.C. It was important for us to bring our cameras here to be on the ground, support what y'all were doing, to support Georgia Stand Up, to support Georgia Black Youth Vote, and all the other groups that are out there, New Georgia Project, Project people who have been doing some great stuff, uh, and, that's, and that's why we're here. Thank you, Roland. I appreciate it, Cliff. Thank you so very much. Folks, as I said, uh, it has been uh, quite a busy five weeks that we've been on the ground. Uh, and earlier today, when Pastor Warnock, he began his day uh, going out uh, to uh, Gwinnett County, uh, where some of his supporters were canvassing, going door to door. I had a chance to uh, have a little chat with him uh, as we were, uh, he was looking at this mural. Uh, this mural that was actually uh, built there. It's a very colorful mural. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it uh, later. Uh, but uh, here's my uh, brief chat with Pastor Warnock today uh, there in Gwinnett County. The time of four black Baptist churches, and they call this area Baptist Town. Mm -hmm. It talks about the black hospital. So first time seeing this? Yeah. I never heard of it. Yeah. Right across here is Eden Lodge, which is also a lot of the members who are part of the lodge over here. And it's the Prince Hall Lodge, which is right over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we... One day. We, it, we, uh, <laughs> our are you a Mason? Yep. Okay. You got, you got to join in? And Alpha and Blue. I don't know about yeah, Alpha. I'm trying to you. Well, first of all, you need uh, to step out there. That's an Alpha man. I'm an Alpha man. I'm in the boule. Got it. I never did the Mason. Feel good about today? I hear you. I do. I hear you. I mean, I think we're, we're what we need is try to get out there people out there to keep their foot on the accelerator. Mm -hmm. He'll do us up there. You know, that complacency, um, which, you know, is the only enemy that we've got to push back. And I get a little worried. <laughs> You know, that as people hear about the record turnouts, the right. right. thing they think that doesn't count. They'll vote absolutely nice. I saw, I saw a tweet from uh, Stacy saying that because of the people who voted early, folks have been able to get in and out in five minutes or so. Yeah, I was just watching a report on MSNBC, and they were saying that um, they're not seeing the turnout that they thought they might see, which is actually a bigger problem for the other side. Mm hmm because you had, what, 5 million or so who voted on November 3rd, uh, and you already crossed 3 million uh, earlier, earlier. And when we talked, you said that was the whole point. You wanted to bank as many votes uh, as possible. That's right. That's right. So we, we, we saw record voter turnout both early in-person voting and vote by mail. And we just need the folks who, who didn't vote early to show up today and the folks who did to tell the other folks to go and vote. Uh, but... Yeah, things are, are, are looking good. I just, as, as long as we don't let off, right. accelerate it. Don't stop until the last, the last poll closes. Don't stop. Don't stop. All right, we'll see you at the next don't one. Don't stop, won't stop. All right, Fred. <laughs> All right.
Uh, folks, uh, as we have been talking about, all the way Atlanta, maybe Georgia's most populated city, 60% of, of Georgia lives in metro Atlanta. The reality is rural voters in the state, they decided the winner of many statewide elections. And when Andrew Young, when he ran uh, for statewide office for governor, it was the rural parts of Georgia where he did not do so well. Joining us right now uh, is uh, outside of uh, Brad Bailey with Georgia Public Broadcasting, Reverend James Woodall, president of the Georgia NAACP. I'm going to start with Reverend James Woodall first. Uh, Reverend, that particular point about rural Georgia, I was discussing that with Cliff Albright. How, how important is it, and, and, and what has the NAACP been doing when it comes to moving people, targeting people, activating people in Albany, Columbus, Athens, Warner Robins, Macon, Savannah, all of these other places and these much smaller areas where African-Americans make up a significant number, as Cliff said, when you put them together with the other areas, they represent a substantial voting block. Sure, Roland, and thank you for having me. You know, when you look at rural Georgia, majority of Georgians do not live in Metro Atlanta, right? They live outside of that corridor. And so when you talk about engaging voters, particularly African-American voters all throughout the state, you, you can't ignore the voter suppression that continues to happen. You can't ignore the poverty. You can't ignore the environmental issues that are happening. So when we engage voters, we engage with them through the issues, but also addressing their circumstances then and there. The creativity that organizations that we partner with all the time, like Black Voters Matter, has been amazing and electric this entire election cycle. And folks have been excited to participate, even though they've been a little fatigued and tired of us texting and calling and knocking on their door. They understand what's at stake. And so they've been willing participants and, and have had you know great spirits during this entire process. And so we also wanted to ensure that they had all the resources that they need to show up in the, uh, for this election to ensure that voter intimidation did not take place, to ensure that organizations like the Georgia NAACP and Black Voters Matter, they were not being told that they can't engage with the voters, which we have seen think, uh, folks like the Georgia Secretary of State try to tell us that we can't do those kind of things. And so we've been very vigilant working behind the scenes this particular runoff election, trying to ensure that the election is protected and our voters are able to actually show up to vote. Uh, the NAACP has raised a significant amount of money uh, since the death of, uh, of, of um, uh, since the death of, uh, it, back back in May, of George Floyd. Aubrey, uh, and Oaks. they've been investing. They, they yeah, they, they they've been investing. Then they talk about Ahmaud Aubrey, talk about Breonna Taylor. They've been investing. Um, what resources did the NAACP invest in Georgia in get out the vote efforts when it comes to putting folks on the ground and canvassing as well? We put uh, we put over a hundred thousand dollars in the in the in the hands of units across the state of Georgia, and we, we invested even more than that to ensure that they have exactly what they need from radio to digital to research to messaging to collateral to canvassing operations, text banks, phone banks. So we put hundreds of thousands of dollars to ensure that our units had the, the funds that they need to do the work, but also to also. Uh, also coordinate that activity on the state and national level. So we, we've been putting money directly on the ground. It, it's, it's important that we understand that in this moment, it's important to lift up the voices of those folks who are in the grassroots. And so we have a lot of national attention, but without the people that are on the ground doing the work, none of this would have been possible. And so we, we were so excited to see what happened as far as you know the financial investment, but also the capital investment and the human investment as well. 
And one of the things, obviously, that people uh, want to see is that what happens if their candidate wins. Uh, but I always say that even if your candidate may lose, if, if John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock lose, the reality is Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, black people in Georgia are still constituents, and they must address and respond to the needs of black people in this state. For, for sure. And we, we've seen time and time again that, you know, we, we don't we don't we don't organize for candidates. We're organizing around issues, particularly as a, a nonprofit organization. We don't endorse candidates. However, we do engage the issues and hold candidates accountable. And Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue have been very, very clear as to where they stand as it relates to the African-American community. As they parade around with, with Nazis and, and white supremacists and, and white nationalists, they're making a statement very clearly as to who their allegiance lies with, and it's not us. And so we will organize against them every single time. If they win this election, we're gonna organize against them again to ensure that they don't return. But I, I hope that the people of Georgia, uh, their voices are, are, are gonna be a resounding heck no and reject that kind of fallacy, which is not based in any kind of truth and, and let them know that Georgia is no place for that kind of activity. Uh, let's talk about uh, the fact that you were on a voter task force for the Secretary of State, and as a result of his actions, uh, you quit that. Republicans have been focused on voter suppression. This Secretary of State, even with his even with his fights and battles with Donald Trump, this man literally threatened threatened activists, saying they could be charged with a felony if they passed out water and food to people standing in line. Uh, Republicans in this state are already saying that they are going to get rid of the laws that made it easy for folks to vote. They want massive voter suppression in Georgia because they're angry they lost. Can't win the ballot box, so therefore they would rather cheat. It's, 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 it's hypocrisy, and that's why I, I resigned. You know, when you have a Secretary of State who on one hand is saying the, uh, the, the voters of Georgia have determined that they want to elect Joe Biden as his next president, and we should respect that, but, and then you celebrate the, 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 that during this election, uh, for the runoff, we hadn't had long lines for election day and for the runoff uh, early voting period. But then simultaneously talk about, well, we have an upcoming legislative session that begins on Monday and say you want to reduce, you know, early voting days. And they also want to cut early voting locations. And then simultaneously want to say we're going to cut no excuse absentee voting, voting, which, by the way, we're still in a public health pandemic. And so you can't say you want to improve elections and, and talk about how you are a leader in the nation for free and safe and secure elections, but then simultaneously do the very things that would undermine that, that status. It's just hypocrisy to me. And I cannot continue to work in good spirit and good faith with people who continue to lie to the people of Georgia. And so we're gonna continue that work of advocating on behalf of Georgia voters, not partisans, not political parties, not elected officials, but Georgia voters. And we're gonna continue to do that work with so many of our amazing partners each and every day. All right, then. We certainly appreciate the work that you do. Reverend James Woodall, president of the Georgia NAACP, thank you so very much. Thank you, sir. All right, let's bring in our panel today, folks. Uh, F. Lee Francis, he's with the Fairless Society. Candace Kelly, legal analyst. And Robert Patillo, executive director, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach Tree Street Project. I'll uh, start with you, uh, Robert. Uh, your sense of uh, this race. Uh, polls are closing literally in three minutes across Georgia. Uh, you heard what Cliff had to say about black turnout. Republicans are concerned. They did not get the massive turnout in line as well. Your thoughts? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. Just piggybacking on what uh, what Reverend Woodall said, and also what Black Voters Matter said. What we've been doing with Rainbow Push is going throughout the state to trying to do a 159 county tour uh, with our uh, 1,000 churches connected to motivate people uh, outside of the metro area because people so often think that every election is just Atlanta. Uh, when you get those people who are down in Hamilton, Georgia, and Waverly Hall, Georgia, and Casita, uh, and Montezuma, uh, Montezuma, and Oglethorpe down in Brunswick, uh, in the coastal regions. Those are all votes that are very rarely touched and very rarely motivated. And there's an extreme level of motivation and enthusiasm. In the 2008 runoff, about 2.1 million people voted in the entirety of the runoff. We were already at 3.1 million when we walked in the door today. Uh, there was a report earlier saying that DeKalb County has already exceeded the, uh, the general election voting numbers uh, today uh, in this runoff election. So those type of turnout numbers are what Republicans have been fighting against for a generation in Georgia. Remember, it's a state that demographically is 35% African-American, 12% Latino, 6% Asian-American, 52% women, one of the largest LGBTQ, IAPK plus communities in the country in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with universities throughout the state, a young population, a diverse population is increasingly uh, being transplanted from other regions. So we knew that this blue wave was going to come eventually. We've been fighting for the resources to do so uh, since Jane Kidd, since Mike Burlon were directing the state party, since Du Bois Porter uh, was directing the party. And as you said, the common wisdom was that it could not be done. But uh, touring throughout Whitmer County and other parts of North Georgia throughout this week, I've seen the lack of those lines being in place in, in Republican strongholds and areas where they uh, where they count on in-person voting. I, I'm, of course, holding my breath as everyone else is. But I think it is a good sign for democracy that people are using the option for early voting and we're ensuring that we're getting a free and fair election that counts every vote. Um, I want to, uh, F. Lee, I want to go to you. Republicans, uh, first of all, Kelly Leffler, David Perdue really didn't make a concerted effort uh, to, uh, to court black voters. There were, there was, you know, small attempts, if you will. Uh, and um, a lot of people have been highly critical of Kelly Loeffler's uh, attacks on uh, Pastor Raphael Warnock. Black churches have been highly critical, saying, uh, how dare she uh, blast uh, his religion as well. Uh, your assessment of uh, Republicans uh, in this particular runoff. And also, we got to talk about how Republicans in the state now want to change voting laws again because they're angry with the turnout of black people and Democrats who voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I thought you should be voting, focused on the issues, turn folks out. Why cheat to win? Well, thank you, Roland, for, for having me. Uh, you know, I, I don't think, um, I think there's been a clear bias in this uh, discussion of, of Senator Leffler talking uh, negatively about uh, Reverend Warnock when, you know, even the comment uh, of the guest before talking about Nazis and white supremacists being associated with these two senators uh, has been debunked. Uh, that, that's a clear example of, uh, of the bias toward the Republican Party. In that particular rally where that photo was taken, Kelly Leffler had no idea who these people were, uh, and and they and she was she asked them to leave. So I, I think this giving the full picture is something that uh, is required and definitely but, needs but, its due. But 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 I ask you this here, F. Lee, before I go to Candace, doesn't it say something though, as a problem with your party, when uh, racists like these individuals are far more comfortable in the Republican Party than elsewhere? When you look at the racist action of the Proud Boys, 
uh, when you look at uh, the folks who are marching in Charlottesville, it's actually, that's really the bigger issue. Where the, in, these individuals who are more comfortable with Republican candidates than they are with Democratic candidates. Isn't that the greater issue? Well, I think that would be a, a gross over uh, generalization. I mean, I, I don't know that uh, any party has a monopoly on, on uh, racist members. Uh, surely there are racist members on both sides. Uh, I mean, you look at some of the Black Lives Matter uh, rioters and some of these, these anti-white uh, protesters. Uh, I don't think that there is a difference uh, when it comes to who uh, has a monopoly on racism. I think those uh, go both ways. I think the Republican Party is doing a good job of trying to focus on their image, uh, focus on their message. What is it exactly uh, they want people to know? And I think they're doing a good job of keeping that message, as opposed to the Democrats who are ripping each other apart. Uh, actually, I would dare say, Candace, the people who are rich and ripping each other apart is F. Lee's party, the Republicans. Donald Trump was in this state last night blasting Raffensperger, blasting uh, uh, Kemp, blasting any Republicans who disagree with him. Uh, they are engaged in an all-out war. Uh, you've got uh, Mike Pence folks uh, snapping at Peter Navarro. So I would say if there's any party that right now has erupted uh, into massive internal warfare, that is the Republican Party. In fact, I'm looking at a story here where Frank Luntz, the longtime Republican pollster, uh, he's predicting a disaster for Georgia in the next 48 hours, saying this could be among the worst ever for Republicans. Doesn't sound to me like that's a lot of Republican unity, Candace. And you forgot that President Trump also practically, basically blasted Vice President Pence, saying that if you don't do what I want you to do come tomorrow, I'm not going to like you as much as I do now. So there certainly is discord um, amongst the Republican Party. And for some reason, and, and, and I'd love to hear from uh, um, our guest, F, the guest F. Lee, we associate people who are racist, people who are anti-Semitic, people who, you know, are burning the uh, Black Lives Matter signs with people who are Republicans. There's a reason for that. The reason is because we have groups like the Proud Boys and, uh, you know, um, QAnon uh, marching in the streets um, saying things that don't align with apparently what he says with what the Republican Party says. But this is this is what they're doing. They're climbing fences over churches and they're grabbing Black, Black Lives Matter signs and they're burning them, which is why one of the, the, the chair of the Proud Boys was in fact arrested. He was released today, but he's got plans for tomorrow. And he's got plans that don't align with what F. Lee is saying, but somehow there's an association. So that's, that seems to be what's most interesting to me, that there's, there's this disconnect that, hey, Republicans aren't like that, but that's, that's what we think of when we think of Republicans. We think of people who are racist. We think of people who are anti-Semitic. We think of misogynists. Why is that? Why on a whole? It's because that's exactly the, the, type, of, uh, uh, the type of behavior they have shown. So there you have it. And and Roland, just just really really quick, I, because I do feel like we do need to perfect the record on this with regards to the Leffler campaign versus the Warnock campaign, and make sure we're doing doing a full accounting. That Klansman that she took a picture with, that she claimed she didn't know, she took another picture with him three months before that, and also received a campaign contribution for other from other Klansmen. She went on a white supremacist podcast, uh, an interview on another network. At the rally last night, they had Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene speak, who is a white supremacist, QAnon supporter, anti 
anti-Semite who called George Soros a Nazi and, uh, and has made in many other incendiary statements. And she was on stage directly after Kelly Leffler. And let's understand also, we saw the ad this week from Kelly Leffler intentionally darkening uh, Raphael Warnock the same way they did O.J. Simpson on the Time magazine color to further otherize him. And even going down to the microaggressions of only referring to him as radical liberal Raphael Warnock when he was a pastor and when he uh, when he has a doctorate, which he had no right to speak to him in that way, and going even further, attacking his religion and attacking the black church while saying that Amy, Amy Cody Barrett's religion and being a Catholic was off, it was off limits. She has a clear record on these issues. So we cannot just simply invent imaginary facts because they're convenient to us. Kelly Loeffler has run the most vile, disgusting, disgraceful campaign possibly in American political history, trafficking conspiracy theories and lies, attacking the man's ex-wife, uh, putting out reports about child abuse, claiming that a Christian pastor is not a Christian at all. So Kelly Loeffler, she does not have to worry about the wrath of the voters of Georgia so much as she does have to worry about being cast into that lake of fire because there is somebody who will handle people like her. And we know exactly how this ends. So I'm not qualified to be the judge of her, but the King of Kings will judge the way she runs this race. F. Lee, your response? I think a lot of these comments are, are are not based in reality. You know, she didn't uh, release anything about uh, child abuse or, or uh, attacking his ex-wife. These are things that happened. On that, she gave Th these are things on these it are last things that week. You cannot invent your own facts because they're inconvenient it's for you. You have you have decided to you have decided to join up and hit your wagon to a white supremacist. And if you are going to sit here and defend them, then you, you are no the better than them. Very happy give them to you, but apparently you have not been involved in any news reporting on these matters at all, when in really, fact, his ex-wife, ex I have run multiple campaigns. I have been on the ground in several states. I know how this works, okay? So his wife has a video. Uh, there's a police statement. There, He was arrested for obstruction of these child abuse uh, at the camp. The camp closed. So I, I, somehow you missed all of one those. Second, one second, one second, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Robert, go ahead, Robert, go ahead. Uh, these these are the exact reasons that Kelly Leffler is going to lose because guess what she's not talking about December 18th uh, December 2018 Kelly Leffler got 182 million dollars from Hong Kong billionaire and Chinese communist connected billionaire uh, Lee Kai Shane for her investment uh, for her investment firm Back Industries with a subsidiary of ICE which is called the International Exchange which is a company owned by her husband and made billions of dollars on credit default swaps she does not talk about that because instead of doing that she talks about radical liberalism she talks she doesn't talk about her connections to communist China. She doesn't talk about how she went from being a farm girl in Illinois to having $800 million because instead they want to spread lies. They want to spread deceit. They will attack someone's ex-wife. They will attack, uh, they will create conspiracy theories about child abuse because they have no facts because they have no messaging. The people of Georgia are worried about health care. They're worried about jobs. They're worried about economic opportunities. They're worried about the coronavirus. They're worried about how they're going to feed their children tomorrow. And because Republicans have absolutely no ability to articulate a message the American people want to hear, they traffic in lies, deceit, and racism and division in this country. When they talk about taking this country back, do you think when they take this country back, they're going to let you stay with them? No, you're going to be out here with the rest of us. So when you hit your wagon to them, understand that they're going to drop you off that wagon. I think you can make claims about Republicans being racist, but that's the only thing that I've heard from you. Uh, in fact, Kelly Leffler didn't attack uh, Reverend Warnock's wife. He did. 
you know, he was accused of running over her foot. I don't think Kelly Leffler was involved stop, in that. Stop, stop, again, stop, stop, stop. No, 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 stop, stop. Excuse facts. me. No, no, stop, no, stop, stop, stop. No, F. F Lee, F. Lee. Here's what you're not going to do. You're not going to leave some things out. You said he was Well, he's been doing this his whole time. I would like foot. for... No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'm going to operate on the basis of facts. You said he was accused of running over her foot. Are you going to complete the other side of that? He was accused. The, the EMT were called. They discovered there were no bruises on her feet. Her feet, she was not injured at all, at all. So she made the accusation that he ran over her foot. Yet the police and the EMTs looked at her foot. No toes were crushed. No toes were bruised. Not even a slight mark was on her foot. That means that allegation had no merit because there was nothing to actually show it happened. Now you can well, continue. That, that's not entirely, you know, that you don't, to be, to be uh, run over, uh, having someone's foot run over, oh, you, wait, you, you, wait, may wait, not wait. Have, you may not have uh, a bruise. I've had this happen personally. Are you crazy? I've F. Lee, F. Lee, F. Lee, F. Lee, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me that if a woman's foot was run over by a car, that there would be no injury? Really? Dog, come on. Come on, bro. Again, I think I think bro, we, can, we can try and create whatever we want, but I think the fact is having had my foot run I, over... I, 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 uh, I didn't have a bruise. I, I didn't have anything at first glance. Uh, so I think, again, just to discount something uh, without even mentioning it, as the other side just refused to even acknowledge that it happened. Um, I think what the Republican Party is doing on the whole, has, they have a clear message. I think the Democrats are the ones struggling to come up with cohesive comments or, or even an understanding of what they believe in. Uh, you know, if, if $2,000 okay, now, now, now that's, now that's funny. Well, it's true. Wait a minute. What are we talking about? $2,000 monthly check? Your guy Trump, it was his idea. He wants it. Josh Hawley wants it. So how can you put that on, on Democrats when Republicans want it? Mitch McConnell is the one not. who's blocking it. I, I don't think this is what Republicans want. Republicans, like everyone else, regardless of if you're Republican or Democrat, we want states to open up. We want people to go back to work. These checks aren't necessary if people can just go back to the jobs that they once had. Uh, and the, the Democratic Candace, states Candace. refuse to open these uh, these states. Candace, it, it, Candace, Candace, help me out here. Candace, help me out here. Is, it, it, is Lee, does he think we, we, we're crazy? Literally, Trump, Republican, Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, uh, numerous Republicans support $2,000 check. What the hell is he talking about? Candace, go ahead. There are many people who support this idea of a $2,000 check. There are also many people who support the idea of making sure that people actually get what they need in terms of the states in order to make sure that those vaccines get to the people and that they're not sitting um, in some refrigerator and not actually getting injected into the people. The problem is that there is no plan, there has been no plan, and that is why we are in the situation that we are in. And that's the confusion that we're talking about right now. There is confusion. 
The confusion came when Trump is trying to, you know, had lunch today with Vice President Pence to try to convince him to do something tomorrow, try to convince him to exert a power that he doesn't even have based upon the Constitution. There is confusion when there were over 2,000 polls that were open today and you didn't have lines the way that you saw because they expected Republicans to come out and they did not. So there's confusion because Republicans are wondering what happened? What did we do wrong? You know, I was speaking to a friend of mine who lives in Georgia and Roland, I'm sure that you've seen this too. They are hard hitting and have been for years to make sure that this vote gets out. If you have a mailbox and you live in the Atlanta, Georgia area, you would get six or seven pamphlets every day. You would get phone calls. You would get people telling you, make sure that you go out and vote. That's the confusion. And I think that that's the problem that FB has right now. You don't have a, much of a leg to stand on because now that the polls have closed, we need to count the votes. And we're not talking about just one day. In about three days, we're going to see what happens. And I think that Republicans are shaking, and that's confusing them. And uh, Roland, just, just yeah, real please, quick. Let me ask you uh, this question. Uh, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, 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 this is the thing. Kelly Leffler spent hundreds of millions of dollars on commercials in this state right now. F. Lee cannot tell us what she does for a living, what her job is, what her career is, where she got $800 million from. There, she's been no money. We, we, we're talking about issues. What is her foreign policy agenda? What, is, what does she believe about tariffs against the Chinese government? What is, uh, what is her position on the International Monetary Fund? What is her position on uh, mass mandates and, and the ability to stop the virus? They don't have positions because all they've done is attack and lie. And just the fact that they rope us into conversations about what did and did not happen between a man and his ex-wife a year ago versus talking about the $800 million that Kelly Leffler has or the $182 million she got from the communist Chinese government or the money they got from credit defaults in 2008, while other people, while most of us were in the midst of a financial catastrophe, a financial collapse, a decade-long recession, her and her husband Jeff Spetzer, who also owns the New York Stock Exchange, made billions of dollars. How can she vote on issues of Wall Street regulations while her husband owns Wall Street? Literally, she's not bought and paid for by Wall Street. She owns Wall Street. So until we can have these real conversations, that's why Republicans will continue to lose because they can no longer just manufacture facts. The same people who are telling us to just believe. Kelly Leffler told us to drink bleach and use sunlight to get rid of the virus. I'm surprised you didn't stop him off I, I there, Roland. I don't, you, I, I don't I, think he said to drink bleach, but okay, we'll let that one slide. Well, hold on, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Donald Trump literally said, "Inject bleach." He said, "Wouldn't it be nice?" And they, wouldn't it be nice if you could have something like that? There's a difference to, to say. I mean, come on, if we're talking about living Are in the realm of facts here. Wait, 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 wait. Donald, Donald Trump, Donald Trump also said if it was, could we uh, shine the light on the inside of the body outward? Dude, what are you talking about? F. Lee, you don't have to defend stupidity. You don't no, have to defend I, I, it. I am, I am so, going to stand up against misinterpreted facts. Which is all again. That's that's what Robert has let, been let, saying. Let me let, hold on. So 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 let me ask you this question: Republicans changed the voting laws in Georgia. They they control the legislature. They changed the voting laws. Now that they've lost, Biden and Harris won. Now they want to change the voting laws back because they're angry that they lost. Do you agree with them changing the voting laws? They have the power to change the voting laws. It doesn't really necessarily matter if one no, agrees no, with Lee, it. They're, no, 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 no
What I'm asking you as a black Republican, as a black Republican, do you think it is right and fair and just that Republicans would change the law to make it easy for folks to vote, mail-in balloting, and then after they lose, if they would target black folks, Trump is targeting Fulton County. Nowhere else in Georgia is targeting Fulton County. Now they want to say, no, let's change the laws back because they lost. Is that fair? Do you support that? Or do you say, Republicans in Georgia, that's wrong. Learn to have a message if you want to win. Do you believe they should change the laws back? Yes or no? I think there needs need to be fair elections. And I think you get that however means necessary, uh, whether that's requiring a voter wait, wait, ID, wait, wait, whether wait, that's wait, requiring wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying, are you saying, first of all, they require signatures. Are you saying this election was not fair? I'm saying that there is always the potential uh, for fraud to happen. There's always no, the potential. No, no, uh, no, First of all, first of all, Lee, 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 you have the potential you had the potential to have an afro. Me and you no longer have the potential to have an afro. I'm not talking about potential. I'm asking you, was this a fair election? Yes or no? I think that's something that is still being litigated. I mean, I think it's clear that uh, no, Joe Biden not. No, has not. won. They, they, but lost, it, it they, they, lost, it, they have lost. Can, can, how is it being litigated when they've lost? in 60 different courtrooms. Well, that's the point. It's being litigated. There are cases now uh, still going oh my on. God. Oh, my God. Uh, just because they have not won doesn't mean that there isn't uh, a credible argument here. Well, the credibility there that you There is no lacking, credible argument. Candace, go ahead. Candace, the go credibility ahead. that you're lacking shows up <laughs> in the non-evidence, and that's the problem. There have been about 60 cases all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, which is the which is the law of the land. Once they've spoken, that's the end. But the beat goes on and people still keep trying uh, to, to make their case. But along the way, we haven't seen the evidence. That's the problem. We have heard from federal judges that have been appointed by Republican parties who have said the exact same thing. We have seen lawsuits that have been frivolous to a point where even Mike Pence filed a 14-page um, response when governors tried to file a lawsuit to try to persuade him to change the election. It, it, there's just no evidence. Again, this is the. Well, I don't. I don't disagree with that. No, I. I don't disagree with that. I, I've written a piece about that, saying that the the time for lawsuits have come and gone. But but as long as there is a right, again, for for every right, there's a remedy. Uh, if there is a commission that wants to be appointed, if, if there if there are still opportunities to be heard, they should be they should be taken advantage of. Uh, but personally, the, I, the, man, the man, the man, the man, the that that the lawsuits the, should the be man already should accept the results. The man already had a commission, and they found no voter fraud. They found no voter fraud, which shows you uh, how much of a joke. All this is the Republicans are engaged in. We're going to go to that one second. I do want to go to Brad Bailey with the Georgia Public Broadcasting. Hey, Brad, uh, you've been out here. What have you been seeing and hearing during the campaign trail uh, from voters, uh, for folks uh, about this particular race? What has jumped out at you? Uh, nice to meet. Uh, good evening, Roland, and it's um, good to see you again. This it's what what a historic night this is. I've been crisscrossing the state for the past month. Um, talking to voters about some of the issues that concern them. I, in, I was embedded with the Ossoff campaign for three days as he went to places like Bainbridge, Thomasville, Valdosta, 
those are traditionally red counties, but even in those red counties, you have large African-American populations that have been historically underutilized with regard to voting. Some of the main issues I've been dealing with the people been coming up with me has been rural broadband. A lot of those areas around Albany are very rural counties. A lot of those places don't have really good internet access, and especially because of COVID-19, forcing a lot of young black students away from the school, a lot of them have had really big challenges getting connected to their own school programs. So this presents even more of a challenge with, with, with an election. When you have places access, it's a huge issue. Access, um, healthcare access. COVID-19 deaths have been huge. As you know, Albany was the fourth highest per capita death rate in the world with COVID-19 back earlier this spring. Also expanding Medicaid. Uh, as an adult person in Georgia, unless you are disabled or over a certain age, you can't get health care if you don't have a job. And of course, in the middle of the pandemic, that makes it worse. In addition to agriculture, agriculture is a huge issue. In the county I'm from, Colquitt County, the county is, has, has $1.5 billion in agriculture with a huge migrant population, many of whom are undocumented. So as Ossoff was, as I followed him traveling around these areas, his one of the major, his major motto is health, jobs, and justice. He sort of went and talked to people on the ground about some of those major issues. People tend to underestimate the fact that, again, everybody's been talking about Atlanta, but you cannot win, and I need to emphasize this, you cannot win a state statewide election in Georgia without winning the rural areas. Joe Biden was the only person to do that in almost 30 years since Bill Clinton came in 1992. And there's 159 counties in this state. And not all of them, they may seem deep red, but again, you have a large African-American and a large Latino population in each of these counties. Um, historically, you can look at statewide elections that have been run by African-Americans. Andrew Young ran for statewide election. And of course, recently in 2018, Stacey Abrams ran, ran for statewide election. Both of them lost because they weren't able to, re at that point, harness the sort of power of the rural communities. All that's changed this year. Stacey Abrams, Latasha Brown, Cliff Albright, all the folks with New Georgia Project, Black Voters Matter, they have gotten out and have mobilized like I have never seen before in Southwest Georgia. I was recently in Albany and I was staying downtown and the, the hotel was sold out with, with organizers coming from all over the country down here to really turn out this black vote in Southwest Georgia. I think those totals are gonna be very interesting to watch tonight, not just in Albany, but you have to look at what I call the surrounding black belt of around Doherty County, places like Terrell County, Calhoun County, Clay County, Sumter, Stewart. Those areas in the general, in the general election range from 52 to 59% in, uh, in favor of Joe Biden against Donald Trump. What's of interest is, is right north of, of Albany is, is Lee County. Lee County has turned out, is, is traditionally red, actually. And it's interesting because they border each other. And a lot of people think that's because of white flight from Albany, from Doherty County, historically, that moved over the years. But up in Lee County, it's 71% for, um, in favor of Donald Trump for the general election. Those areas are going to be really interesting to watch tonight as those, as those totals come in. Not only, of course, the major Atlantic counties like Clayton, DeKalb, um, Fulton, uh, and of course the suburban ones like Cobb and Gwinnett. You really do like, got to look at places like a, around the Albany Black Belt, in addition, in addition to, of course, Columbus, Macon, Richmond County, which is Augusta, and of course Chatham County, which is Savannah. And as you know, I've seen you travel yourself to Savannah. So Chatham, uh, the, both candidates, Democratic candidates, have deluged Savannah. A lot of people have went down there. So I'm really going to, tonight, if people are looking at those results, they really need to look at those Chatham County results to see what's going on.
All right, then. Uh, we certainly appreciate that, uh, giving us that breakdown. Uh, we're going to be, of course, we're, we're live right now. We're going to stop uh, at 8 o'clock. We're going to come back at 10 o'clock. And so, Brad, we'd love to, if, we, if we can have you back uh, just to give folks an update. Absolutely. Right now, some early numbers in. Let me explain to people. This is very early. Henry, go to my iPad, please. This is from WSB-TV. Uh, 14 of 2,656 precincts uh, have reported. Uh, Raphael Warnock, uh, you see the vote total there is 6732 out of a total of 145,000 votes. Osoff, 6435 uh, for David Perdue. And Daniel Blackman, 6831 over Lauren Bubba McDonald uh, for the Public Service Commission uh, District 4. Again, it's extremely early, but we just want to give you those early vote totals. Uh, folks, got to go to break. We come back. Uh, the racists are coming to Washington, D.C. The, Was the, the National Guard is on alert. The craziness will happen in D.C. tomorrow as the MAGA idiots are so angry that Donald Trump has lost that they actually want to stop the counting of, of the electors. And they really can't offer any explanation. You should have heard when Josh Hawley got embarrassed on Fox News and he couldn't even answer the question. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and also... We'll talk about in Kenosha, where officer not charged for shooting Jacob Blake seven times, shooting him in the back and paralyzing him from the waist down. And we'll also remember uh, Eric Jerome Dickett. Uh, he, of course, the author, passed away at the age of 59. We're broadcasting live from the gathering spot in Atlanta. It is Election Day in Georgia. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. We learned early in Sunday school that thou shall not steal, thou shall not bear false witness, thou shall not have no other gods before me. Raphael Warnock's opponent seems to have forgotten these basic Sunday school lessons. Her gods agreed her lies about Pastor Warnock, and her shady Wall Street practices evidence of this and on january the 5th let's bear witness that greed lies and shady dealings don't represent georgia let's send Raphael warnock to the u.s senate to fight for the least of these and not wall street billionaires People who have just registered to vote, people who have been in the streets protesting and about to do the greatest protest of all, which is to have their voice heard through the vote. Because these young people are the people who are going to keep everybody honest once we vote them in. If your vote didn't matter, you wouldn't have so many people trying so hard to stop you from voting. There is some value there. But even when you talk about that people are not paying attention to your issues, I can't pay attention to your issues if I don't even know you there. And the only reason people are going to know you there is when you show up to the polls and vote. That's when that power manifests itself. But as long as you stay at home, as long as you're making excuses, then guess what? You will always experience these issues that we're experiencing today. And another thing. Don't get caught up in the candidates, right? There's, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect candidate, but you should be going to vote for the most important person, and that is you and the one you love. 
You talk about you, you're, you'll fight for the one you love. You're willing to die for the one you love. You need to ask yourself, are you willing to vote for the one you love? Because if you don't, there's going to be somebody's neck on yours pretty soon. And I come to ask you to go all out. Just see what a power you can be. Let us march on ballot boxes. That is to go out to vote. For this is the way we are going to straighten up the South and the nation. Let us march on ballot boxes. Two men and women will no longer walk the streets in search for jobs that do not exist. Walk together, children. Don't you get weary. One day, Georgia will be a better place. This is our Georgia, where the ordinary accomplished the extraordinary. And a new American story was written. This is our Georgia. We don't wait for change. We are the change. We keep climbing to the mountaintop and always set another seat at the table of brotherhood. This is our Georgia. We honor the sacrifices of the past, carry their work forward. Because democracy doesn't stand still, it must be protected, fought for, practiced every day. Let us march on ballot boxes until brotherhood is more than a meaningless word at the end of a prayer, but the first order of business on every legislative agenda. Let us march on ballot boxes. Every voice counts. Every vote counts. Every voice. Every voice must be heard. Must be heard. Is this my future? This is my future. This is my Georgia. This is my Georgia. This is my Georgia. This is my Georgia. How about you? Itu. Are you in? Are you in? The dream still lives. From the urban streets of Atlanta to the humming ports of Savannah, from the Chattahoochee Forest down through Macon, all the way down to Valdosta, the, the dream, dream lives on. The dream of a Georgia where we are stronger together, where we can all grow and build and prosper. And be proud of the intertwining of our communities. Where we help our neighbors and mourn our losses. We still believe that hope is far more powerful than hate. Georgia just voted out the politics of hate, bigotry, and anger and chose the clear path for better lives for all Georgians. Not just the filthy rich, not just the privileged few. For whom party matters more than providence. No. The dream is very much alive in Georgia. Because an outstretched hand is always better than a clenched fist. Believe in the dream. Use your vote on January 5th. For Georgia. For America. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. All right, folks, National Guard, they've been deployed to Washington, D.C., ahead of the pro-Trump protest uh, for tomorrow uh, to quell any violence that could erupt in the city. Trump supporters are protesting uh, today and tomorrow, seeking to bolster Trump's baseless claims of widespread voter fraud. Washington's chief of police 
and Mayor, Mayor, the D Mayor of D.C., Mayor Bowser, have issued warnings against carrying firearms to protest, saying doing so is illegal. They have also asked people uh, not to counter the protesters uh, to avoid any violence. And these pro-Trump protests come as the newly sworn in Congress will meet on Wednesday to officially count and ratify electoral college ballots, which is the final step before President-elect Joe Biden is sworn into office on January 20th. Yet you have all of these Republicans uh, led by uh, what the Lincoln Project calls the Jim Crow Caucus, uh, the folks in uh, the United States Senate, Josh Hawley and others, uh, who say that they're going to protest that. And in fact, Kelly Leffler uh, says that she will be, she will not vote to certify the electors. Here's the problem. Kelly Leffler, y'all, isn't United States Senator. She hasn't been sworn into the new Congress. But she actually doesn't get to do this tomorrow, just so y'all know that. Um, and so we're, we're seeing all of this drama play out uh, right before our very eyes uh, when it comes to what's happening. Candace, I want to go to you. Uh, the reality is this here. These Republicans have no leg to stand on. Uh, these folks, Ted Cruz and the others, they all are sucking up to Donald Trump. Ron Johnson knows this is a lie. No, this is BS. Now they're like, oh, no, we're not going to move forward. And then these idiots are literally running around trying to claim that Donald Trump still has a path to victory. He doesn't. There is no path. They are delusional. And all they're doing are stirring up these idiots. And they are sucking it up because they really think in their minds that there's a shot that he can stay in the White House. He gave a rally last night. The man lied so much in the rally. And the people who track his lies, like Daniel Dale just said, I'm not even going to tweet it because he lied so much. This is pure stuck on stupid. And the problem is, it's, it's, the, it's these crazy deranged white folks in the Republican Party who cannot handle the fact that their dear leader is going to get his butt thrown out on January 20th. Roland, this is their last ditch effort tomorrow that is basically inconsequential. As you said, there is no path for Donald Trump to win this election. And all he's doing is he's stirring up people to go out and march like the Proud Boys. You know, the chairman of the Proud Boys, Enrique Torrio, has already spoken and said, tomorrow we won't be out in our, in our yellow and black. We're going to have on different colors and we're going to kind of just... Uh, uh, be incognito so that we can do our work quietly. You won't know where we are, but we're going to do what we need to do. But again, it's going to have no bearing, no effect. Um, the, 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 the worst that can happen is that this can just be prolonged uh, just a, a little longer. Um, and it already has gone, you know, it's already going to be longer than what's going to take because of, uh, the, of the coronavirus. So that being said, Nothing's going to change tomorrow. We're going to see some protests. If they're anything like the December 12th protests, we'll see a number of arrests. Hopefully there won't be a lot of stab, uh, stabbings like there were on December 12th. But we will see some tomfoolery tomorrow. Be, be assured, we will see it. But it will have no significance. And, you know, Pres Vice President Pence, he is a constitutionalist. He believes in the Constitution. Hopefully he will stick to those particular grounds and make the right decision and just do what he needs to do and certify the votes because that's all he can do. That's all the power that he has. Well, actually, uh, Lee, uh, Chuck Grassley said that he probably is going to have to do that because uh, Pence likely isn't going to show up. 
Uh, I do want to play this. This is Josh Howley of Missouri, an actual former prosecutor uh, on Fox News and can't answer just basic questions from Brett Baer. Uh, I want to play this, and Leah, I want you to respond. So this is why it didn't take up that that case either. They did not take up the quick case, the, the Supreme Court. We've seen courts across the country deal not only with not the standing of different cases, but also the evidence, and some of them Trump, Trump judges. I just want to pin you down on, on what you're trying to do. You know, are you trying to say that as of January 20th, that President Trump will be president? Well, Brett, that, de that depends on what happens on Wednesday. I mean, this is why we have the debate. No, it this doesn't. I mean, the states the by the Constitution say they certify the election. They did certify it. By the Constitution, Congress doesn't have the right to overturn the certification, at least as most experts read it. Well, Congress is, is directed under the 12th Amendment to count the electoral votes. There's a statute that dates back to the, 19, to the 1800s, rather, 19th century, that says that there is a right to object, there's a right to be heard, and there's also a certification right, process. That's from we 1876, Senator, and it's, it's right. the, the Tilden Hayes race in which there were three states that did not certify their, their electors. So Congress was left to come up with this system, this commission, that eventually got to a negotiated grand bargain. But now all of the states have certified their elections as of December 14th, so it doesn't, by constitutional ways, open a door to Congress to overturn that, does it? Well, no, I'm talking about the statute, Brett. There's a statute that says, that governs what Congress does on January the 6th, and it says that we have a vote of certification and that we have, to, we have the opportunity to debate the results, to certify the results. We count them and then we certify. And my point is, this is my only opportunity during this process to raise an objection and to be heard. I don't have standing to file lawsuits. I'm not a prosecutor anymore. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. I, I can't investigate claims of voter fraud on my own, but I do have a responsibility in this joint session of Congress to either say I've got no problem with it or I do have a problem with it. And my constituents expect right, but don't me you and have they're a responsibility right to say I have a problem. Don't you have a responsibility to tell them that it's not going to be President Trump as of January 21st as well? Well, Brett, we're... Lee, Lee, really? Isn't this a joke, Lee? I mean, are, are you embarrassed by what Republicans are doing in the House and the Senate? Well, you know, Roland, I've long said, uh, even from the last time I was on, was that Trump had no path uh, to re-election. Uh, it just was not uh, something that was in the cards for him. Um, and, you know, the act I think that Senator Hawley is referring to is the Electoral Count Act, uh, of 1887, which came after the debacle of 1876 with uh, with Tilden and Hayes. And, and so Brett Baer was right, where there was a, a commission and they negotiated who would be in power. Um, but 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 let's be clear, tomorrow it's a, it's a symbolic vote. This is uh, a message to his constituents, as he said, uh, which again, as a representative of his people, you know, he's entitled to do that. Um, and he's also correct that the Electoral Act of 1887 does dictate uh, the processes, the modes, kind of how the certification works. But at the end of the day, this, this isn't going anywhere. Um, and I do think that, that it should be put to bed. So you think Donald Trump sounded like an idiot yesterday talking about uh, that 
uh, we can veto the results of the certification and he can remain as president. He literally said that last night. You know, I'm an originalist and I believe in looking at the Constitution as it was originally understood, but but this is not, you know, look at what Ben Sass would say, you know, that this is not something that is more than just rhetoric. Uh, at the end of the day, this is just uh, a campaign message um, that, that there really isn't any teeth behind it. But it's dangerous, Robert. What we're seeing is absolutely dangerous. This, these people do not care about the Constitution. They care about power. You're absolutely correct. I think it, we cannot continue to uh, downplay what is happening right now. This is a full-blown assault on our constitutional democracy. This is an assault on Western civilization and the norms that we have created. And when you have enablers, people like uh, uh, many of these 12 senators who are going to object, Ku Klux Kelly uh, Loeffler, uh, David Perdue also said he's going to object, the 140 House members, what they're putting America into is a constitutional crisis. And let's go back to that, uh, the Hayes-Tilden Compromise of 1876. Because what came out of the Hayes-Tilden Compromise of 1876, they negotiated away Reconstruction. That is what ended Reconstruction and removed federal troops from the South with the Posse Comitatus. And that is how we ended up with a, the Ku Klux Klan and a hundred years of Jim Crow. So this idea that we're going to simply throw it to the Congress and see what they can negotiate out can be very deleterious to the future of the, of, of the American people and particularly to African Americans. So we have to stop indulging them. What Donald Trump is doing is raising an army. He has said that he can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and not lose a single vote. What we've actually found out is he can allow 300 50,000 people to die and actually gain 10 million votes. So it's a very dangerous place in American politics. And if Republicans had any class, if Republicans had any dignity, if Republicans believed in being statesmen at all and believed that, remember when they used to carry the pocket constitution with them during the Obama administration to pretend they didn't care about the constitution? If they believed in that in even a shred, they would stand up to this. But they're willing to see the the American Constitution destroyed by one man simply in order to have tax cuts and to maintain and to be able to continue funding their corporate lobbyists. And that's why we have to nip this in the bud, put these people out. And I think this is why it's very important that after this is all over to prosecute the individuals involved, the people who are uh, who are signing on to this should not be seated in the next Congress. They should be charged with sedition and we should prosecute them to the furthest extent of the law, because if you don't nip this in the bud, that's how you end up at another 1876 situation. Surely the Candace, fear uh, is... black folk. Uh... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm astounded by and, and kind of dumbfounded by the, the fear mongering going on here because, you know, to say that this is a constitutional crisis is clearly outside of reality. I mean, you, you, they obviously don't have the votes to do this. They're, they're not going to do this, so I, I'm not really sure what the crisis is. It sounds like it's one that's more manufactured uh, than one based in fact. Well, the fact based is that... Uh, Candace, no, 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 wait, 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 Robert, 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 hold on a second. Candace, go ahead. I was saying the fact is that the Constitution is being questioned. The powers in the Constitution are being questioned. And so that's why there is this question of the democracy and whether or not we're chopping up what is expected of somebody in a democratic society, and this is not it. Lee, for you to act like this is no big deal, uh, Lee, is this not dangerous? What they're doing, is this not dangerous? 
every day in our society, the Supreme Court looks at whether or not uh, a provision in the Constitution stands against a statute, against a city ordinance, against anything. So to say that the Constitution isn't always challenged or, or, isn't, you know, or, or that this somehow is different, uh, that's just not true. Um, do I think that we need to move on from this? Uh, do I think that, you know, that this really is a, a paper tiger? Absolutely. Um, I, I think we can go overboard and try and say we're going to go back to 1876 uh, prior to Reconstruction, I, I think that's that's just no no fact there at all. Uh, it's also surprising to me how you know cities are, are compelled to bring the National Guard in for Trump supporters, but they wouldn't do it during the Black Lives Matter riot. Again, this is a clear example of the bias towards Republicans and Trump supporters. Stop! 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 First of all, that's a lie. The reality is that with no, the Wisconsin not. governor, it, no, no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, the Wisconsin governor issued the order for the National Guard to come in before Trump did. That's when. Close. Second, when? let's when? also re no. What because are you talking Jake, about? Dude, use Blake Google. Trump. Can you please Blake. use First of all, I've written a law review article about this where I have detailed this particular matter. So I can tell you that when he died in May 25th, when the National first Guard all, comes in. First of all, Jacob Blake. No, no, stop. Stop. Jacob Blake did not die. Jacob Blake was the one who was shot. George Here's Ford, the reality. The, 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 the Proud Boys, the Proud Boys engaged in vicious attacks on people the last time they were there. The reason the National Guard the is being matter. called out is it's, it's because, first of all, Black Lives Matter wasn't out there beating people in the streets. That is a lie. Oh. And in well, fact, to correct you, no, no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, to excuse me, no, 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 nice try. Because the Minnesota cops said that it was actually one of the provocateurs on the right who was walking around smashing windows, who was engaging in activity. So stop with this nonsense. Black one Lives guy Matter. Did well, they were not out billion dollars of damage. Lee, really? Lee, is that that's what we're nice and say cute. Now? You, that, that, no, first of all, Lee, I'll be very specific about what he did. And the piece is this here. And this is what y'all want to do. Y'all don't want to call out the Proud Boys. Y'all don't want to call out their thuggishness. Y'all don't, don't want to call, call out them Black out. Lives Matter. But what you want to do is. Actually, because Black Lives Matter didn't do it. And that's oh, the whole problem. Oh, and see, really? you want to play this game. You want to play this game. Know. You want to play this game. And, here, and here's the, you know, you don't know. And that's the problem. You don't know. And you don't no, no, have I, your I facts think, together. I think you don't want to live reality. in the realm Can, of reality. Candace, go ahead. Candace, no, I, I do. Candace, go ahead. Black Lives Matter also didn't produce the Kyle Rittenhouses of the world. And we know where that is right now. Here was someone who on December 12th, um, you know, 17-year-old made his voice be heard and shot three people, killing two people. Uh, so he's got five felony counts against him. And remember, too, that December 12th, there were uh, several people who were stabbed, 23 people who were arrested. So this isn't something that's unprecedented to say that um, this that tomorrow is going to be uh, a mess, a, a crazy mess of people who are going to go out and have their way and have their say in spite of what the law has prescribed for them, because we've seen it happen already. I mean, think about Kyle Rittenhouse and what he did. What moved him to drive from another state to come to that rally and shoot three people and stand out in the middle of the street 
with, with, with nobody saying anything, even after he was able to walk around with his gun. So these are the that, types that, of things. That, that, those aren't the facts, though. That's not what happened. He, he ended up in Wisconsin because a car dealership who had suffered $1.5 million worth of damage the night before, he came to defend that place. Uh, so when he's shooting hold people, on, stop, fact, stop, 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 hold on, stop, 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 hold on, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 Lee, Lee, so you're saying that he came to defend them, he had no interest in the car dealership, he's not law enforcement, okay, he's not tied to anybody, no, he's a thug who took his AR-15, came across the lines to defend the property, that ain't his job, that's the job of law enforcement. Well, apparently, we have a mixed message with law enforcement. We either like them or we don't. But I think the, the point no, with Rittenhouse was, no, that's what? very clear. What? <laughs> that's very clear. Uh, with There's Rittenhouse, no mixed message so, so, that so, would so, give so, a 17-year-old so, the right to go defend somebody or defend a car dealership and shoot three people. I don't think that anybody well, that, would agree that a 17-year-old did I think not you're a 17-year-old oh, so shoot three Look at this clip. In this particular clip, this guy who he shoots has a gun. It says it in the criminal complaint. If you look at the first guy that he shoots, Joseph, uh, Joseph uh, Rosenbaum, uh, he says he antagonizes him. He goes up to him and says, shoot me, shoot me, inward. I want you to shoot me. Where are these facts? They just somehow disappear when it's liberal propaganda? So Where you're saying facts? that nice the 17-year-old had the right to do this? I'm please, saying he has the right saying? to defend himself. Absolutely. He said he had the right to kill two people and he injure another. He had the right one. to defend himself. Now, the context of that is different. Uh, again, I, I think if you look at what the situation was, he's being chased by a mob after he shoots some one person. No, Fine. no, 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 no. That's no, what happened. No, the situation is. No, no, wait. No, the situation is Kyle Rittenhouse brought his white supremacist ass across state lines into Kenosha, joining with other white folks uh, to play like they're cops, and then he chose to um, engage in this confrontation, ended up shooting people. Now, he is pleaded not guilty to all charges in connection with the shooting that killed two protesters and injured another during a protest in, in Kenosha. Uh, now, remember, Rittenhouse's attorney argues he acted in self-defense and only fired his rifle after being attacked. Now, his trial has been set for March 29th, and while Rittenhouse prepares for trial, the Kenosha Police Department could have to pay millions as a result of the shooting. The parents of 26-year-old Anthony Hoover, who was shot by Rittenhouse, and Gage Grosskreutz, who was severely injured by the teen, are suing the Kenosha Police Department for $20 million in damages for the department's lack of action. They believe the department is partially responsible for the shooting and loss of life. Uh, also, speaking of, uh, speaking of Kenosha, uh, what, what jump-started all of that was the shooting uh, of Jacob Blake, uh, the black man who was shot seven times in the back by police officers. Well, today the district attorney announced that, uh, that the officer, Rustin Chesky, who shot Jacob Blake, will not face charges, and neither will the other officers involved in the shooting. Kenosha County DA Michael Gravely says the officers will not be charged with any criminal offense, Based on the facts and laws, Chesky shot Blake seven times in the back while responding to a domestic incident on August 23, 2020. Blake survived the shooting, but has been paralyzed from the waist down. According to Blake's family, Blake is doing what he can at this time to recover from injuries sustained during the shooting. Uh, let's see here. So let me go to you first, Candace, then Robert, then Lee. Uh, Candace, your thoughts on this, this DA's decision, another officer not being charged for the shooting of a black man. 
you know, this is something that we should not become numb to. And it seems as though it's happening so many times. It's just become a habit. Uh, you know, I'm going to echo what the governor said. He said that in the best interest of justice and equity, that they have failed. The lieutenant governor said, too, that every time there seems to be a new excuse. And that's what we're looking at here. We are looking at somebody parsing the facts that we have seen on camera. We saw this man's back that was to the police officer, and he was shot. Now, there are reports, and the DA has talked about uh, the fact that there was a knife that was involved. And, and, and even uh, Jacob has said that uh, there was a knife involved. But we have to look at what we're talking about. Someone who was shot seven times in the back and someone with a knife who had his children in the car. There is a big difference. Once again, the justice system has failed. And this is why people are going to continue to fight the way that they have been, because this is becoming too much of a norm. We have seen this over and over again, and it always ends up being the same thing. Um, and this is why we're going to see a number of lawsuits. As you mentioned, there are two $10 million lawsuits for infliction of emotional distress and, and this, this idea that the city was part and parcel to what happened. So it will be interesting to see what, what happens in all of that. But we, we can't get used to these numbers. We always end up with somebody black on the ground. And, Robert. and Roland, just just to, to piggyback, one wanted to take a step back, and the, these two issues kind of dovetail together because the reason you call in the National Guard when you have the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo movement come in is just what we saw in Kenosha, Wisconsin, because Black Lives Matter is coming with signs, T-shirts, and posters. They're coming with AR-15s, AR-47s, full body armor, uh, night vision goggles, sniper rifles, so on and so forth. And think about what Trump is inciting these people right now by saying that their votes did not count, by saying this was rigged, by saying these systems against him. You look at what happened to Abraham Lincoln. Look at JFK. Look at when Teddy Roosevelt survived his shootings. There are many unhinged, heavily armed people in this country. 23 million guns were sold in America in the year 2020 alone. So when you motivate these people and tell them that their rights are being taken away, you're defending America, you're bringing back and saving the nation uh, as they are claiming, you endanger the very democracy that we're sitting on. We cannot downplay that. And, and on this Blake point, this is why it's so important to win these two Senate seats, because what we saw during the Civil Rights Movement, whether it was uh, uh, Emmett Till, whether it was Megar Evers, that you have to have federal intervention that can step in when local law enforcement fails. We have to have better protections against police brutality. We need federal legislation that has an across-the-board standard, a nationwide standard. So whether you're in Kenosha, if you're in Kansas, or if you're in Kentucky, the same rules apply. And right now we have a Justice Department uh, that was headed by Bill Barr, that was headed by um, uh, the, that evil little racist uh, elf that they had there that one time before that, where they have no interest in actually in, uh, investigating and prosecuting acts of racial brutality against African Americans. That has to change in the next administration. That's why it's so important important to win these two Senate seats. Lee? I think this was the, the right decision. I mean, if you're looking at the facts, these cops followed the policy of the Kenosha Police Department. Uh, first of all, we missed the fact that he was tased prior to this. Uh, he assaulted an officer uh, prior to this. Uh, he carried a knife with him. You know, the, the law requires that uh, there's a reasonableness uh, prong here. There, that there is uh, the the police officers act uh, legitimately, reasonably, with an uh, imminent fear, danger. This was the right decision. I, mean, I think um, 
you know, to assert that police officers are racist. Again, that, that those, these are lies that are not good for our society and they're not based on any fact. What the fact is, is that I'm really? more likely as a black person to die at the hands of another black than I am a police officer. Police officers aren't killing Let me ask you a question. So, 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 you can, so you completely deny, you completely deny the reality uh, of racism in police departments? You deny the reality of officers who have been busted for using the N-word, officers who have been fired for that, officers who have had private uh, uh, Facebook groups. Uh, we've actually documented that on here. You, you, are you, you actually are suggesting that there isn't racism in police departments. There, there is no evidence of it whatsoever. You, making a comment, again, there's a famous Supreme Court case that says no, no. one particular hell comment no. doesn't mean anything. No, 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 hell no. For you, you gonna actually sit here, Lee, and say there has been no evidence of racism in police departments? Man, get the hell out of here with that bullshit. No, again, Lee, look at the you can defend this. You can something you this no one wants to do. Look at the facts. Lee, Let's look at this. Lee, 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 police officers, Lee, police officers, police officers have been fired for being members of the KKK. Do you want me to name them? Police officers have called black folks niggers. Thank you. When the, the, when the Obama here. Department of Justice. No, 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 I'm not. You just said there's no racism in police departments. Are no, you no, crazy? No, no, that's not what I said. Let's be honest. No, no, let's be clear. That is not what I said. That is not what I said. I said there is no I evidence. I, I there is you. no evidence. This Blake matter is not indicative of racism. It's indicative of his own actions. No, 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 no. No, I specifically asked you about, you said there's no evidence of racism in police departments. Absolutely. Police Are you serious? The, the institution so of I, police. The, the, there's not racism. Then, wow. then I'm wondering, then how come every time, almost every time there's a police shooting at the other end of the gun happens to be a black man or woman? And then I want to know, do you that's drive? That's an easy question. That, that's, that's an, an easy, easy question. Yeah, again, I, I will gladly send you my law review article that I just wrote about this specifically, uh, looking at Rayshard Brooks, looking at Jacob Blake, looking at George Floyd. Within the confines of the law, they did not violate any Fourth Amendment uh, rights against searches and seizures. There, there was no violence here uh, that went above what was reasonable. For example, okay, so yes, I do drive. The other, the other, the other thing about that is, we have to look at the actions of these people. It's not fair to assert that black people are dying at tremendous numbers. It's not true. Look at the Washington Post survey from the last five years that they keep from 2015 to 2020. 126 in that time out of the tens of millions of police encounters, 126 of those victims have been black and have been unarmed. 56 of them uh, 66 of them were fleeing. Now, under common law standards, un under the law prior to what we have today, you could be shot. That would justify the use of force. So let's let's not the fact, uh, the fact, disguise the, the, the somebody facts here. running away Lee, Lee. from you. This was a, this this is how we get the reasonableness standard. Again, Scott v. Harris. This is how we get this case. Is even if they are fleeing, if the manner is reasonable, it is not a violation of the law.
you know, there have been some police officers who have lost their jobs as a result of their improper decisions that resulted in the death or harming of people of color. So that very much contradicts what you have in that somebody thought that they were wrong. There are there are people who uh, have have been accused of wrongdoing and the process has gone through. It didn't happen um, today with Jacob Blake. But when we look so, at so, the facts and parse them, we see that some but, but, people who are held to a standard and they are wrong, which is why they have lost their jobs. So but I so, think we need to be clear on the so facts. Lee, here so, 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 so Lee, no, 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 wait. So Lee, 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 let me ask you this here. So we did it on the show. Go to my iPad, Henry. Look at this here. To protect and slur inside hate groups on Facebook. Police officers trade racist memes, conspiracy theories, and Islamophobia. They discovered this is a fraction. Police officers in St. Louis, Philadelphia, all around the country who were on these groups where they were literally, literally engaging in racism. And you say there's no racism in police departments in America. Really? That's not that's not what I said. Again, I think you've got to get if you're going to say what I said, say it right, because that's not what I said. I said there has not been evidence of it. I'm not talking about one person. Again, we, we had the, the South Carolina shooting. Clearly, that was wrong, of course. But, how, but we're talking about can, George how, Floyd. How can you say Jacob there's Blake, no? Those are not how, the cases. No, 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 no. How can you? No. How can you say there's no evidence of racism in police departments when I just presented you with evidence? That's not evidence. Comments again. There, there are Supreme okay. Court cases. Wow. Talk about this. Same so comment. Wow. No so, so, you, so there was no. So, no, no, so, so you mean tell me when, you, you mean you, y'all love, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean tell me in Louisiana where they fired a cop for being a member of the KKK, that ain't racism? No. I, I think I think I, people can be racist, absolutely. But to say that an institution is racist is not founded on any evidence <laughs> this, at all. This this is beyond this is beyond laughable. Robert, go ahead, Robert. Robert, final comment. Ooh. This is just nonsense. Robert, go ahead. Ooh. Look, Roland. You I, don't I, have to like just, facts. Look, Roland. This is the thing. You know me. I, I come on all the time. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-gun. I'm from rural Georgia. I uh, believe in a many conservative values, low taxes, uh, personal responsibility, self-determination. This is why I can never be a Republican. Because despite believing in, in in many of the same values, the fact that they make you buy into this cult mentality. You know, Kyle Rittenhouse can murder two people and he's innocent. But if uh, uh, Blake is walking to his car, then he deserved to get shot in the back. Donald Trump can say that law enforcement is unfair during the Russia probe, that the uh, FBI, the DOJ are all against him, but Ahmaud Aubrey and um, George Floyd, they deserve to get shot because you can, trust law uh, you can trust law enforcement in those situations. What we are seeing in America is the a battle between reality and this weird right-wing fantasy world where, the, where the, they exist in, and it's just not appealing to the majority of Americans. That is why. And then if you talk about evidence... In the last 30 years, Republicans have won the popular vote one time. That was in 2004. Every other election, they've won on the Electoral College and on technicalities because the American people do not believe in the crap that the Republican Party is selling. As long as they try to make us believe things that are abjectly contrary to the facts on the ground and what we see, in our, uh, see before us, they will never be able to win again. That's why they're trying to steal these elections. That is why they're talking about voter fraud. That is why they're all gathering in Washington, D.C. tomorrow to try to see if they can overturn 
the will of the people because the people no longer believe them, no longer want them in power, and they need to find any way to hang on that they can. The same thing that happened in apartheid South Africa uh, during desegregation, the same, same thing that happened in Kosovo and Serbia uh, during the Milosevic regime, where you see a dying party with dying ideals that can no longer garner the will of the people and have the consent of the governance under the social contract, they decide to find other ways to win, and that's what Republicans are doing currently. Clearly not true. Lee? Clearly. Clear, I mean, clearly. I mean, look at the fact that the Republicans have uh, come back in full force in these congressional races. We've won Senate challenges uh, that we weren't expected to win. Uh, I think, obviously, the Republican Party is going strong. I think we are the party of, of uh, requiring the rule of law to be abided by. Um, we say to people like George Floyd and Jacob Blake, you know what, these, these events are unfortunate. But this is not because of racism. This is not because of any uh, negative animus uh, from police officers. This is because of individuals acting the way that they did. Lee, uh, you live in a beautiful okay, parallel uh, universe. And I'd like I to live in reality. So I, so I can experience it myself. There is no way that you can look at a situation like Ahmaud Arbery, who was simply jogging through a neighborhood but and I, was I gunned down. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about George Floyd. by three white men and videotaped it, only to find out later that they'd exchanged racial slurs via text and other means. And then, you know... I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't. But were they police officers? No, they, were they weren't. They were not police officers. So He was a former police officer. Issue. Actually, doesn't I, I, matter. That's a separate issue. A separate issue between police no, and actually, individual excuse citizens. Me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It is not. It is not separate. In fact, where one of them had worked with the district attorney's office, That's right. and one of the reasons Former. why they were, and one of the reasons Former. why they were released Former. at the scene was, excuse me, excuse me, was because of that relationship with the police department. Uh, folks, five days ago, Birmingham Mayor Randall Wilford. But it's a right. different story. Right. So let me do this here. Let, let, yeah, okay, all right, well, this, that's just nonsense, but, but, but whatever, that's just nonsense. Folks, five days ago, Birmingham Mayor Randall Woodford announced that he had tested positive for coronavirus. Yesterday, the city of Birmingham made this announcement on Twitter. Mayor Randall Woodford was admitted to a hospital tonight to address symptoms connected to COVID pneumonia, according to his doctor. Mayor Woodford said he is receiving excellent care and is resting comfortably. He remains in good spirits and thanks everyone for their well wishes. Woodford lost his grandmother to the virus a few days before his announcement. Also, today we remember the life and legacy of best-selling novelist Eric Jerome Dickey. Dickey died on Sunday in Los Angeles after battling a long illness. He was 59 years old. He was an aspiring actor and stand-up comic who started writing in his mid-30s. He's best known for his novels Sister Sister, Naughty or Nice, and his Gideon crime fiction series. Today, many took to social media to pay tribute to Dickey and remember him as a literary legend. He is survived by his four daughters. Uh, folks, we are here in Georgia, of course. The polls have been closed now for a little more than an hour. And uh, we have been traveling, of course, uh, all over the state for the past five weeks. Uh, today, we were on the campaign trail as well as Pastor Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff were visiting various folks. Uh, I wanted to uh, play with you uh, some of the comments that uh, uh, we, uh, of course, uh, uh, encountered earlier uh, of individuals uh, sharing their thoughts about uh, this election uh, and actually what it means. Go ahead, Henry, take it away. Hey, we, we definitely need to get out and support them. Uh, I'm actually the chief financial officer for ATU, which is a transit union. So this means a lot, not just only to those constituents that may be in the community, but it's a huge factor for labor workers. 
So, and I think it, this will be a tremendous victory for everybody across the country. Uh, it's a lot riding on it. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to my, 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 my brothers from Kappa Alpha Psi Incorporated. The best to do it before and the best to do it after. But we definitely need all the brothers to come out today and vote. Tell your community to vote. Tell your family and friends to vote. We need everybody at the polls. Choose wisely. Look at your future. Look at what's going to be the best um, for, for, for those who you hold deep and near to you. And I, other than that, uh, take care today. Be safe. Participate. Vote. All right, Gonna go with today. Yes. No negative thoughts. All victory. Yes. And my heart says victory. Yeah, we're doing Absolutely. victory. Yes. Period. Nothing but victory. Absolutely. So, uh, what have y'all been doing the last several weeks? Have y'all been out there canvassing? Canvassing, calling, yes. having yes. meetings, making sure everybody's in place. Making sure everybody's in place. As Georgia Federation of Teachers, we've been into the areas where the fruit has been left on the table, where boats are hard to get. And we did that when we defeated the Opportunity School District, and we tried our best to do it again today. If there is a rock to be turned over, we have not seen that rock, hadn't come in contact with it. And we're just glad that we've had people canvassing. We still have them canvassing out in the West Georgia area, all down in the Savannah area, on the outline, outskirts of that, all uh, in the South Georgia area. Uh, we're calling people all the way until the polls close. And uh, our friends are out there trying to help 501c3s especially understand what the issues are uh, in this election and what's at stake. So we're going to work and we're going to continue to work. We're going to work after this election also. And uh, that, that's what we've been doing. All right, how about y'all? What have y'all been doing specifically? Phone calls, lit dropping, conversations with people on the street, praying, all of the above. Absolutely. I just made sure they did all those things. <laughs> yes. I just made sure they did the lit drop, the phone calls. Everybody was in. Everybody was doing what they're supposed to do. Yes. Uh huh. She was for sure. Yep. Okay. Well, when you do all that in them shoes, cause you got enough bling bling with those shoes on. Really? I mean, you want everybody to know you were here, huh? Absolutely. Hey, I met. You can. And the world, we expect to win this thing. We put the work in, and we want to thank everybody in Georgia and outside of Georgia yes. for all of the help and the prayers and the help, labor and everybody, all the churches, everybody, for helping us now elect people of integrity. It's not about red or blue. It's about doing what's true and what's right. All right. I'm going to ask this brother here, my question. How you doing, Doc? I'm doing good. How about yourself? All good. Just your thoughts about uh, today's election day. Oh, it's in the bag. It's a done deal. You think so? I know so. Because we've been out here hitting these streets, making phone calls, texting. Now, when you pull out more folks in a runoff than you actually had in the general election, it's a no-brainer.
What kind of, you talk about the work that y'all been doing. Uh, um, we've been. What, what, what were you hearing? What was what the feeling you were getting from people out there after November 3rd? Encouraging. I, I know I've done uh, hundreds of phone calls and got people to um, not only just vote, but take two more folks. So we're tripling the vote. Uh, we've been texting uh, tens of thousands of folks throughout the state. My organization, the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, uh, have contributed all across the country to our efforts. And I'm, I'm confident that uh, we're going to have a balance in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And that's what it, we all want as Americans, fair and balanced government, because that's what works best. Have you also been, just want to get your thoughts, what have you, what have you been hearing from black men? Uh, have they been uh, motivated uh, and really um, out here also yeah. uh, focused on this runoff? Well, you know what, that's one of our biggest challenges. Uh, uh, we're going to come around. Go ahead. Uh, we can walk and talk. Yeah, they've been our biggest challenge. Um, lack of history, lack of knowledge. Um, but education always turns the tide. And that's what we've been doing with young black men. All right, folks, um, that is it for us. I want to do a quick uh, poll of uh, my three panelists here. I will start with you, Candace. What do you see uh, happening? Do you believe uh, that John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock can beat Leffler and Purdue? Do you see Leffler and Purdue beating them? Split decision. How do you think this is going to all end up? What's your, what's your best guess? My best guess, looking at the numbers of the people that came out today, expecting that Republicans would really have shown up in droves, is that while it's going to be very, very tight, it looks like we're going to have a Democratic win. Um, maybe I'm putting that in the atmosphere because I'm hoping it be, but it certainly looks like with all of the groundwork that was laid and the numbers that happened before today and the numbers that didn't seem to happen today when it comes to what we expected from the Republicans, that that could be the outcome. Uh, Lee, you're, what, what are you looking at? What do you see? You know, I think it'll be a very close election. I don't think anyone has any doubts about that. Um, uh, I, I think, you know, at, at best, we, we get two seats. Uh, worst case, I think we, we get one. Um, but uh, I, I don't see it being 50-50. Uh, I, I see Purdue being able to hold on to his seat, uh, and it's up to Leffler. Uh, Robert. I think also it's important to remember my, my good friend from both Columbus, Georgia and Clark Atlanta, Daniel Blackman, who I believe will win that public service commissioner seat, um, the third seat on the ballot. Uh, what we've seen is people like Kelly Luffler's run the most disgusting, vile, racist, uh, low-class, no-dignity campaign that we've seen perhaps in American political history. And her and her Ku Klux Klan friends will be sent right home um, back to their billionaire mansions and everything else that they're doing. But I, I do think that, that Ossoff versus Purdue seat will be the one that we need to watch and also that do not expect election results tonight. Um, absentee ballots from military will not be in until Friday, so if it's a close race, we might know, not know until then. And what we've seen from President Trump is uh, there's every chance that Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue will not accept the results of them losing and will litigate this for another month or two trying to, uh, trying to get it overturned just as Donald Trump has done. So stay tuned, uh, as Donald Trump would say to the Proud Boys, stand by, uh, stand by and stand back, and let's see what happens next. 
All right, folks, uh, here we go to my iPad. Uh, these are the latest numbers before we sign off. Uh, 1,273,629 votes are in. Raphael Warnock has 656,807. Kelly Loeffler, 616,276. 5148. That's 220 out of 2,656 precincts, representing 8.28% of the vote. Uh, it does say precinct totals does not include outstanding absentee votes. John Ossoff is at 51.49 to David Perdue's 48.51. 1.3 million votes are in there. 223 precincts. Daniel Blackman has a narrow lead, uh, 50.68 to 49.32 against Lauren Bubba McDonald. Folks, that is it for us right now. We're going to return later tonight uh, for an election update live from the gathering spot here in Atlanta. Yes, we're practicing social distancing. Got our mask on. When we get off the air, I'm going to have my double mask, put my goggles on, full protection, gloves, you name it. That's y'all know how we roll. Uh, let me thank uh, my panel, uh, Robert Lee, as well uh, as uh, Candace. Thank you so very much. I appreciate all of y'all uh, for being on the show today. Uh, folks, we have been here, and we thank all of you for your support. Those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, those of you who are watching on YouTube, more than 9,000 people watching us live. Uh, Y'all were watching us earlier today as well. We thank you for that. Please support what we do. Please join our Bring the Funk fan club. What we ask is 50 bucks. For the course of the year, $4.19 cents a month, $0.13 cents a day. You can you can join our membership right there on Facebook or YouTube, or you can join directly with us by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash RMartinUnfiltered. Venmo.com is Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at RolandSMartin.com. You can also, also send a money order to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Folks, again, thank you so very much. Your dollars really mean something to us. We got plans in 2021 to cover the St. Louis mayor's race, to cover uh, the Virginia governor's race. Uh, we're going to be all across this country. Uh, I told y'all uh, we in the, uh, the Roro Mobile, uh, we, of course, uh, in that as well. Uh, let me show y'all this photo here. Uh, my man Jason, uh, my man uh, Jason uh, Johnson, uh, decided to come on by uh, and join us uh, today. Uh, he was um, he came by uh, one of the one of the stops with us, uh, and uh, and he popped on by. Y'all see Jason on MSNBC. Uh, he's been on all my shows as well. Uh, Henry, you can go ahead and go to my iPad uh, for hold on a second. I'll pull this photo up of Jason uh, somewhere around here. Where is it? Uh, so y'all can actually see uh, the photo of uh, me and him in the Roro Mobile uh, as we have been again uh, traveling uh, around uh, this country. Uh, it has been, uh, excuse me, around this state. We have been extremely, extremely busy uh, covering this race. Uh, we're going to be here for the duration. We're going to be here for the duration, folks. And so I made that perfectly clear. Uh, and so we're going to be here. Robert said military ballots uh, not coming back, not counting until Friday. Uh, we're going to be here through Saturday. Uh, getting the results of this race. And so we'll come back uh, in a couple of hours to give you the update uh, here from Georgia. Thank you so very much. Folks, I will see y'all in a couple of hours. Holler!
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.